welcome to the NDA podcast. My name is Justin Pierce. I'm on the editor. Today's podcast is one in our series called NDA Meets, where we sit down and chat to some of the most influential, fascinating, and innovative leaders across our industry. And this is a new sub-series of NDA Meets called Programmatic Stars. We're going to be talking to heads of programmatic, programmatic directors, anyone at a brand's responsibility for the use of programmatic technologies. And today, I couldn't be more delighted to be joined for our first episode by Sharmeen Nalani Fade at pharmaceutical giant Bayer. Sharmeen is category lead for online media and data and also has a large procurement role. And what follows is a fascinating insight into how heads of programmatic at, at global brands such as Bayer manage the competing forces and factors that enable them to deliver programmatic advertising across the business. So Charmaine, hi, and welcome to the NBA podcast. Hello, and thank you for having me. So we're going to be digging in today into programmatic advertising. Uh, it's ups, it's downs, you know, it's, it's future, it's past. But before we do, <laughs> let's hear a bit about you. Do you want to tell the listeners exactly who you are, where you work, and maybe a bit about what you did before your current role? So I... I am the a global category lead for online media and data uh, at Bayer, Bayer Healthcare, and uh, I'm based in Basel. And I, I'm involved in in housing of the tech stack, deals with Amazon, you know, Google, etc. So it's really can be quite techy. It can be quite procurementy. <laughs> I'm I'm the procurement person, but I have to really understand all the technical aspects so that I know what I'm buying, right? So that's my space. And I've been in procurement for over 20 years and in, in media for about three and a half years, four years, and absolutely loving it. It's a, a very fast evolving area that I, I really enjoy kind of uh, building up my, my knowledge. It's kind of fascinating. We'll talk a bit about procurement, especially, I guess, within the programmatic system, because, uh, yeah, it's, so many, it's such a cluttered value chain. So let's talk about that in a bit. But first of all, just to, to open up, I mean, what do you think of the is generally the biggest opportunity for programmatic advertising as a whole over the next year? For me, I think the promotion of diversity and inclusion within the media uh, ecosystem this is, a, I think, one of the biggest opportunities that will force advertisers to compete uh, for diverse owned media inventory and talent. I think we will we'll see messaging addressing decades of, of unhelpful stereotypes uh, and the lack of uh, communication progressiveness. We at Bayer are, are definitely going in that direction. This will, this will present an opportunity for advertisers like Bayer and others to, to take a step back and continuously reflect on the image that they want to portray to the outside world. As long as they leave enough time to achieve it before the competition does, I think everyone's in good stead. But honestly, um, I've seen an explosion on the inclusive advertising front, you know, buttressed by, by, by DEI efforts, uh, supported by boards of management across the globe. Uh, generally, progress in the DEI space is is slow, but but definitely going in the right direction, I would say. What do you think are the biggest challenges there? As you say, progress is slow, but the right direction. And I guess we see this across the whole industry, this move uh, to pre-DEI. What are the biggest challenges, especially for you know global advertising size of Bayer? Forging alliances to address the environmental challenges uh, that face all advertisers. I mean, they're now... They're now being tackled. We're looking at a client council with WPP to 
measure and push forward sustainability to look at the CO2 footprints of formats uh, in, in programmatic, trying to get industry alignment. And I think the, the challenge here is, is definitely CO2 um, emissions and how we get them under control, not so much offsetting, but really reducing. And advertisers have an opportunity to really shine in this place and in this space. And I think that the more that they really align for the greater good, the better. Uh, but that will be a challenge, right? Aligning always is. <laughs> yeah, of course. But uh, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. You're talking recently to people like Scope 3 and companies like this. There's so much great work going on. And in Stereo, I was interviewing someone not so long ago um, who was pointing out that the internet industry as a whole has a bigger carbon footprint than the the airline industry, which kind of shocked me. And obviously, public advertising is one subset of that. So it's something I think more people, although it's rising in its sort of, I guess, importance and discussion, it's something that's quite quite shocking, the fact that other than advertising actually can be as damaging to the environment as something like the airline industry. So right. when you start the way you say about advertisers have to take a, you know, take a stand on alliances, I mean, what would you like to see over the next one, two years happen in this regard? I'd like to see an alignment across the industry on the CO2 emissions uh, of of formats, agreements on how we move forward, rather than competition. I I think this is one place, one space that we can really build alliances. And I think I'd love to see that moving forward. I'd love to see alliances in pushing the agenda on DEI and programmatic, the number of women uh, in programmatic, all the way through to the space that we, we buy to place our ads. Fantastic. Okay, let's see a bit more uh, when it comes to you. So mm. what would you say has been your proudest achievement in, in programmatic? I know that's a broad term, programmatic, but in the industry, what are you most proud of in achieving? I think I'd have to say uh, the in-housing of the Google tech stack. I was, I was told by a very senior leader who was ex-Google, actually, that the turnaround of the uh, commercial documentation was the fastest he'd ever seen. Wow. So um, I guess I'm I'm really proud of that, and that's why I'm mentioning it now. I think if anyone has been involved in in-housing, any part of the programmatic tech stack, uh, they would know that billing is also an area that can cause delays and setbacks. This has been an uphill struggle, I would say, and thanks to the fantastic regional procurement teams that that support uh, the global category leads like me. I mean, we've we've managed to to, to put this in place quite smoothly. But I, I know it sounds really cheesy, but yeah, the invoicing and and in housing of the tech stack. Yeah. Tell me a bit more about billing, because again, this is an area I was talking to someone I think at Ozone Project recently about this and how much of an issue this is. Something I again I had no idea. So why is billing such an issue? What what are the sticking points and how how are you overcome? I think with billing, organisations have their they set up. Uh, they've had that set up for many, many years. You have the, you know, the, the, the typical um, the, the purchase requisition, the purchase order. Uh, there's a number, a unique number, and that number has to match the invoice that's coming in. And and quite frankly, the the, the platforms today don't work like that. We have to change our our processes and get compliance validation for the changes that are being made in order to be billed directly and have the transparency that we're looking for. And so things like not having, so having a, a, P, a PO number placed in 
in a platform rather than through a PR that we can't even send to an agency, a, a platform, because they, they wouldn't know what to do with it. Um, we have to redesign our processes internally to, to fit that process. Um, and and find uh, some synergy between the two organisations where we can work together. I think the other challenge is every platform has their own way of working. I think that one of the key learnings that I've had in this space is the need to be flexible and to design a process that fits your organisation and the platform's organisation where you can work together. And trust me, each one will be different and you should be willing to have a slightly different process for each one of them and to be able to educate your internal stakeholders and and the rest and the, and compliance and the billing and all of those actors within an organisation about how, how you work with that particular platform. Okay, it's fascinating. What about you? You mentioned at the start of uh, our chat, humans that's your space uh, so what particular I mean again everybody sort of, kind of listening to this you know would love to work there I imagine if they're on the ad tech side or the energy side so what are the particular what's interesting going on here when it comes to, to programmatic and, and the vast ecosystem of players that want to work with someone like that well I would say would be transparency we've we've in-house a tech stack uh, to obtain a number of benefits and, and one of them uh, includes transparency. So transparency in the supply path uh, optimization um, and I know that the ANA and ISBA have been doing a lot of work on this topic since I think 2014 and I think we still have some way to go in terms of increasing transparency. I think the latest in, in research indicated that 49% of ad spend was unattributable and I think this is where we, we, we need to really focus. Do you think the issue of transparency, as you say, has dogged the industry for, for years and years? Yes. Do you think it's something that we'll see finally dealt with this year, next year, in the next five years? Is, is it solvable? I, I'm a bit of an optimist, so I think, yes, it has to be. Um, we, we have no choice. I think we're going to see more and more uh, inventory moving over to programmatic. And I think that governments as well as industry as well as lobby groups actors like uh, ISBA and the ANA uh, advertisers all need to work together to gain this transparency I think regulation has a a big part to play with the the Digital Services Act um, or the Digital Markets Act I think it was called it's soon going to be um, in place you know, separating the supply and demand side um, and really making companies accountable for, for transparency. And I think this is where we need to go, absolutely. And do we do we stand a chance if we all work together to, to achieve this? And if governments take on their responsibility of making sure this happens, yes, we can. Excellent. Nice positive news. So what other, what other challenges are out there in programmatic are you seeing in the, in the year ahead, few years ahead? What, what are you faced with? And, and yeah, and how can we... Well, you talk about transparency, but what other other challenges in the programmatic programmatic industry, I guess, do you see at the moment and how will we overcome them? I think talent, probably. Oh, okay. If I if I'd have to if I'd have to really point out another area, online media and the tech stack um tends to frighten people off. And I think mm. if one spends a little bit of time trying to understand language, it's it's really not that complicated. Um, and I think there's a lot of there are a lot of buzzwords, and I think that puts a lot of talent off. And they think, oh gosh, this is you know this is too scary for me. And I think I think that's another huge area is is the talent. 
especially with organizations increasingly wanting transparency and in housing, how do they do that when, when, when there isn't the talent available? I think, yeah, talent comes up quite a lot when I talk to, to brands about in-housing in particular. And especially yeah. I mean, thinking about the UK where I'm based, you know, it's, if you're in London, it's kind of fine. If you're maybe based in, in Newcastle, talent is even more of an issue, you know. So right. what, in, in housing, tell me about your in-housing journey. You know, what, because in, it's funny, in-housing was so kind of hot several years ago, you couldn't move. It was always you press talk. Yeah. That's kind of died down a little bit. Uh, but obviously it's still, it's now being done very effectively i think you know you and i first met at the programmatic pioneers conference and we had some amazing stories about how in-housing is just being done incredibly well yes so, it, yeah. yeah what was your in-housing journey what were the ups and downs and highs and lows and all that sort of thing so we as a as an organization have in-house or in-sourced various parts of of the supply chain right so in, the, in North America, across divisions, as one Bayer, um, we, we've had an amazing achievement where we're, we're in-housing um, programmatic right, in, in North America. And that's across uh, crop science, pharma and consumer health. And, and I think the highlight of that has been how the teams are coming together and working together, learning from each other, um, sharing best practice and, 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 and really driving uh, excellence forward. Outside of, of North America, we're in-housing parts of the tech stack. So um, in certain major markets, we're in-house kind of the elements of the tech stack, such as the DSP, the ad server, with uh, we've got a, a global a strategic alliance with, uh, with Google. And I think uh, direct publisher agreements um, are slowly becoming the norm. We have, we have a strategic alliance with WPP. And they're our global uh, preferred agency for media for, for the consumer health division. And we, we work with many agencies uh, or platforms through, through WPP. But I think part of the challenge there has been really getting transparency in terms, and, and I'm speaking from a procurement perspective, it's really getting the transparency in terms of what are we spending on on DV360? What are we spending um, on the media itself? What, what are we spending on on campaign manager? You know, having that all split out. What is data? What is the cost of data? And understanding what our working and non-working media spend is, and that's been the challenge. Um, and I think with the with North, the North America team in housing, that they've managed to get some amazing talent and uh, really do some amazing things. And I think we're outside of North America. We are. We're getting there, right? We're, we're getting there. Whether we'll completely in-house, uh, that, that remains an open question, I, I, not for now, but we, we've got some pretty decent strategic alliances that we're really proud of. How does this change? The, you mentioned Dolly PP is your preferred, preferred agree, uh, supplier, I guess, and work different agencies within that group. But again, back to sort of several years ago, in-house and came in as a thing in the press, so there's lots of stuff about well, what, what's the what's the downside for agencies we both know that's not happened so how does but how does this change as more and more big advertisers in-house with like there has it changed the relationship with advertisers with agencies oh i think we've become um stronger in terms of our partnerships the reason i say that is because the, the, the more you in-house and the more direct relationships you have there's a a kind of organic upskilling that happens within an organization procurement all the way through to the to the to the marketeers and the more that they they organically grow in terms of their their digital know-how 
the better the dialogue is and the more you can do uh, in terms of your online campaigns. And I think that it has been, it has been a, a beautiful relationship and uh, that, that, that's prospered and evolved. Uh, and, and one would think, oh, because we're taking away business from, from yeah, WPP, exactly. that would potentially uh, strain the relationship, but it hasn't at all. And, and I think we're having a, a higher level of discussion as a result of that. Fantastic. Now let's take a little, little tiny bit of a break from the discussion. Well, not break, but I uh, want to focus <laughs> on, on sort of your favourite things. Uh, your favourite things. What, so what's your favourite at the moment? Technology or innovation or what, what's going on that you really sort of love? What really makes you excited? I think it would have to be Web3. Okay. And the opportunity it presents to to put user data and web content into the hands of of of, of the users rather than kind of the centralised um, kind of small number of government or corporations. I, I think that's really exciting if that ever happens. I'm really excited about the innovation boom really uh, in this space and and the democratised. I think that's how you say it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Democratisation of the. Um, of the web, I think. I think there's a lot of opportunity for open source uh, with Web3. And um, yeah, I'm just really excited about that space. And also AI, where will that go? There's a lot of fear around AI, right? But it could do many uh, wonderful things in terms of healthcare in, 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 in many areas. Gaming, the metaverse um, could offer really exciting or very frightening futures, <laughs> depending on how, <laughs> exactly. it, how, how we... How we how we take on our moral responsibility uh, towards mankind, I think. Yeah, good, very good one. So you mentioned the metaverse again. I'm interviewing some media directors recently, big brands like Coca-Cola and Sahia, and it was weird. I two interviews back to back, and they both mentioned the metaverse as one of the most exciting areas. And the metaverse can be seen as potentially a bit hyped up. It's one of those things in the industry that, but you think it's got real real potential for advertisers like that. Um, could it could potentially? We'll have to see how it how it moves forward. I think the metaverse, as in terms of virtual experience, and I, I say this from the perspective of where we're we going: geopolitical conflict, diverging populations, evolving populations. I think it was the National Geographic it said in 2019 that we've got more 65 year olds than 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 five year olds, and so people are living longer and having fewer children. Um, there's climate change. There are all sorts of challenges that we're presented with. And I think the metaverse can maybe cut through all of that and, and allow us to have opportunities that we've never even thought about. I like that a lot. I haven't thought about that way in terms of, yeah, there's population dynamics. Fascinating. Thank you. So the next question is, um, there's a lot in there, so you can pick it how you want. And it is kind of tongue-in-cheek and kind of not, is imagine programmatic as a child. How old would it be? What would it need to do before its next birthday? And what would you give it as a present? I think a, <laughs> I think a, a 21-year-old. Okay. And I would give it the publication of Jean Baker Miller uh, called uh, Telling the Truth About Power. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think uh, I'm a bit of a feminist in my... Um, not a bit of a feminist, I am. And I think there's a... There's a lot to be, and I've done a lot of reading about power and power dynamics and, and the relationship between different entities and power, right? Government and central government and corporations and so on. And so I think uh, I think a, a nice 21-year-old could, could, uh, could 
the benefit from a read like that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. <coughs> let, me, let me just, <coughs> excuse me, let me just ask you one now. I mean, this is um, kind of, what's fascinating for us at New Digital Age is often the, the lack of female voices in the industry. And we're doing various things to quite help counter that, as are so many other organisations. Uh, you know, as I say, you were speaking at Programmatic Pioneers. Yes. Uh, but there is a problem with women's uh, readiness to speak up in public, at the industry yes. or even in the industry press. So let's, what would be your advice to other women out there? And as a sort of bit of personal experience on my side, I looked at all the opinion pieces submitted to New Digital Age. Yeah. And about 85% were byline to men. Right. I know that the, the PR sending these in, the people, the companies there, fully believe in diversity and importance of, of you know, uh, varied voices. However, it still, it still goes on. We all know, anyone that runs events, the difficulty of getting a balanced, diverse, big lineup. Women right. often have events more than men. So what you obviously don't. So what would you say to other women out there listening? What, how can they make sure that they you know, take their place and speak up? Courage, I would say. Courage to make your voice heard. Find a sponsor who will put your put you forward, who will have your interest at heart. Um, I've had some amazing sponsors uh, in my time that have, have, have really stood up for me, spoken for me. Find someone that you really trust who will do that for you, who's senior and who, who can see your talent. Get out there and offer to speak, offer to share your voice. I think that uh, we as women tend to put ourselves on the back burner and wait to be asked. And I think my advice would be to say, get out there and 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 say you have something to say and have an opinion. And most women do. Um, and 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 get it out there, right? <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, so Luke, back to back to programmatic in general. And that, honestly, that's great advice. It's something I think that needs to be needs to be listened to by everyone. So um uh, programmatic in terms of, again things you're looking forward to, things you're excited about looking ahead. Programmatic, I think you referenced earlier, is going across all channels. Uh, yes, yes. now linear TV, digital ad at home, mm-hmm. etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. It's not just the online ads where it's got. So what new channels, uh, what new media are you most excited about? I think um programmatic pro- Programmatic TV uh, will outstrip global television advertising spend. I think it represents over uh, one third uh, of, of, of advertising spend already. I think it's an exciting area. I think restrictions around uh, privacy will have to will have a limited impact on, on programmatic TV, which, which precisely targets kind of consumer segments as opposed to individuals. So there's this, this drive towards um, protecting the consumer, which I, I'm all for. Um, but I think uh, programmatic TV will have a, a good a good place in that in that area. Out of home is all about content, uh, context, and location. And I think with uh, with hopefully the lockdown being a thing of the past, we'll see uh, that grow. I think that's an exciting area as well to see the evolution of, of programmatic out of home. Programmatic audio has a long way to go. It's a, it's it's way behind programmatic video and display. But uh, I'm excited to see how that that kind of moves forward and. Um, catches up. Amazing. So, lastly, you mentioned TV, programmatic TV, and obviously one of the advantages of TV is that it hasn't got this cookie issue. Uh, right. And third-party cookie, obviously, we've been talking about for years and years, and it's delayed again recently. Uh, <laughs> so, 
What what's your view on this? In as advertising bear, the third party cookie is going first party data is rising forward. So I guess as an advertiser, you're in a quite amazing position in terms of the data you, you hold. So yeah, what what is your how how worried are you about the cookie going away? Or is it a good thing? What's your view on it overall? I think it's it's an area that you have to be you have to tread very carefully in. Um, the, the penalties are huge. Uh, I think Bayer as, as an organization truly values their their customer base. And there are many, many hoops we have to go through before in terms of consent before we ever use that kind of data. Um, I think as an organization where we are looking at first, second and third party data, but yes, we are in an amazing position potentially, but it's all about consent, isn't it? Um, and if the wiser the consumer gets, the the, the less consent they they give. <laughs> and so um, I think that my my view on this space is that, that contextual advertising will will, will grow, okay. um, and I think we need to get better at that. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Shireen, that's been a brilliant chat, really insightful. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. For oh, your time. thank you for having me. <laughs> And maybe um, see you at the, the next programmatic finance summit. Definitely will. You definitely <laughs> will see me there. But thank you so much for your time. Um, oh, you take care. You, and thank you so much for your time.